the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Uh, Folks, welcome again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're always very, very pleased when you join us here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Once again... Uh, Alan Dempsey uh, does the engineering. We'd never get on the air without Alan. And uh, Andrew Herdliska does the producing each week for us. Uh, Laura Sumner Truax is with us. She's the senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago. Very prominent church in the Midwest. We're going to talk about her book, Love Let Go. Uh, Welcome, Laura. And I uh, know you have roots here in Central Florida. We're glad we can visit with you. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I love envisioning uh, the terrain right outside your window right now while we talk. Uh, Laura Sumner Truax and Amelia Campbell uh, tell the incredible story of what happens when regular people decide to practice countercultural, radical uh, generosity. Laura, there's got to be a background to this book. Can you tell us what the <laughs> backdrop is? Yeah, you know, we got uh, we were a church that had invested a thousand dollars back in the early seventies in a housing development that was going in right across the street, and it was the first public-private church uh, collection of funds to build a mixed uh, income, mixed race housing development. And 35 years later, the restrictions were going off the property, uh, and uh, the main developer decided to sell. And every church, there were five churches involved. Each church got a check for a little over $1.6 million. So that was the genesis for us doing some real soul-searching on what the Lord wanted us to do with that money. And uh, in the course of that, we um, this kind of radical idea came to us that we should give away the first 10%. We should actually tithe on this uh, these proceeds and uh, do so by giving it out to the people. So we have a small church here, you know, no more than 300 on a good day when I'm kind of stretching it a little bit. And uh, each, each person in the church on that Sunday in September... 2014 got a check for $500 mm. with the uh, just with the the one thing to to go and do good in the world with it. And uh, this book is a story of what happened, the story of what happened to us as a as a community, uh what uh, practically happened with the money, you know, as as people gave away their 500 in the world, but but at a deeper level how that experiment that in some people called it a social experiment, but how that kind of got into our hearts and uh and what's changed in us as a result of that. What has been the biggest change you've seen in your congregation? Uh, since the Love Let Go movement. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that the biggest and most transformational change has been this posture that people have toward the world. 
I, I think there was something about holding something that we all perceive were, was valuable uh, and being able to just release that and realize that we have so much more in our lives that is infinitely more valuable than $500. You know, how you use your time today, actually, is way more valuable than, than $500. But, uh, but that, that feeling that we had of freedom and being able to give and the feelings that we got from that, the, um, the responses that we got from that, uh, what, it, what it's done in us is that we have a different posture. We, I think our church, people in our church, the dial has turned, and they have a posture of living openly with their time and their talents and kind of their, their feelings of love in the world. Uh, so I didn't know how deep love let go was going to be in us, but uh, I think the Lord did. Because um, all the stuff on social science that, that talks about generosity, the language they use, frankly, is that generosity is a superpower on every every indicator of life, like um, a feeling of mission, a feeling of well-being, uh, a feeling of connectedness, a sense of even longer life longevity. Um, generosity is tied with all this stuff. And, you know, I felt like we were kind of living that social research in the flesh. People just felt happier, more connected, more in the flow, more, um, they have more purpose, more, you know, meaning. Uh, and that's just uh, continued. It was not just for that moment in time. It, it shifted some things in how people saw themselves in the world. Why do you believe the world is not a more generous place? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think a lot of that's around fear. Um, the messages that you and I woke up with this morning, that your listeners woke up with this morning, overwhelmingly is a is a scarcity framework. It's a feeling that others are trying to get what you have. That the only way you can keep what you have is by protecting it. Uh, that you've got to think about you first, because certainly nobody else is thinking about you first. Um, and I think those messages squeeze tighter and tighter until we get into this really small little pocket of feeling like it's us and our family against the world. And you know the, you know the most repeated phrase in the entire Bible? I did a study on this a few years ago. The most repeated, repeated phrase in the Bible in some fashion is, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. I go before you. Mm. I mean, it's, it's from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden all the way through, it's don't be afraid. And I feel like, Pat, we've so absorbed the messages of fear that it's very hard for us to, to hear the message of, of trust and plenty that God keeps having for us. You know, Jesus said, if you want to really have your life, then you got to lose it. If you really want to gain something, you got to give it away. And I feel like that's kind of what we, we got a glimpse of, uh, that the truth of what uh, God's been saying all along, but we're just so afraid to believe it, you know? Uh, my guest uh, from Chicago, Laura Sumner Truax, uh, senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago. Uh, her new book is out, Love Let Go. Laura, in sharing your stories in Love Let Go, uh, what do you hope people of God take away uh, as they read this book? What, what, what are the action points? Yeah, you know, Pat, I'd say a couple of things. 
One is that uh, I think it's easy to hear a story about a church that gets, uh, you know, a little uh, boatload of money here, and then they, uh, it's easy when you've got this big gift from outside to just give it away, as if generosity is predicated on having plenty and knowing you having plenty. And uh, first thing I would say is that uh, there's always a reason not to be generous. Uh, and we had our share of it, just like anybody else looking at their financial budget has got a reason not to be generous. If you're looking for one, you're going to find one, you know. Um, so I, I think the first thing I'd hope for listeners is that it, it, it um, that they would disavow the, uh, this idea that you can only be generous when you have a lot. Uh, because the thing we learned is that generosity starts with a, a way of seeing the world through the eyes of faith. It's a way of seeing that, wow, I've been given so much. I have the gift of life in me today, you know. Um, so that'd be one step, is that you just could do some sort of inventory of yourself and see all that you have to give uh, in expertise, in advice, in presence, just the presence to walk alongside someone, in a generous uh, smile uh, that, uh, you know, that can change somebody's day um, so that we all have something to give. That would be step one. And step two, I think it would be to lean into the, um, to the reality that we live in a world of abundance, that there is more than enough, that God has promised us there's more than enough. And so it would be a deeper trust, you know, to, uh, to believe that. Um, and then I'd love to just tell some stories, if you don't mind. I'd love to tell some stories of, uh, of how people uh, saw themselves in the world. Is, is that okay for me to just share some of those? Yeah, let's start, and then after the break, in about a minute, uh, we'll, we'll tell even more stories. So okay. uh, give us a story in uh, 60 seconds, and then uh, we'll, we'll come back. Okay, good. Uh, first story I'd love to tell is uh, a seamstress who uh, worked her whole life as a tailor, lived across the church, uh, across the street from the church in a uh, subsidized housing, and she came to me soon after the $500 checks were given, and she said, you know, Pastor, would you pray with me? Because I feel like the Lord is, is saying that it would be okay for me to give this check to my niece. Uh, her niece was the first uh, person in her entire extended family who was going to college. She was in her second year of nursing school, and uh, and this woman, Jeliner, asked if she could give the money to her niece, uh, and that's what she did. She paid for her niece's books, and the pride that this woman felt at being able to give money to the first person in her entire family that was going to college was pretty palpable. Laura Sumner Truax is our guest from Chicago. Love Let Go is the name of the book. Uh, We're back after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. Join Richard Jordan, President of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org, 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. So you've decided to remodel your kitchen. What's next? Visiting ExpressCabinets.com should be your first step. That's Express. 
with an X. Express Cabinets is locally owned and operated by Jim and Keith Foster, the father and son team who've perfected the smooth remodel. Visit ExpressCabinets.com to learn more. That's Express Cabinets with an X. Whether you're completely remodeling your home or simply purchasing cabinets for a rental property, Express Cabinets should be your first step. Express Cabinets kitchen designers will create a 3D rendering of your kitchen to visualize how your project will look in just hours, not days. Your job will be done on time and on budget. Now that's the way it should be and will be when you work with Express Cabinets. Visit ExpressCabinets.com to learn more. That's Express Cabinets with an X. See how easy purchasing cabinets and remodeling can be with Express Cabinets. So you've decided to remodel your kitchen. What's next? Visiting ExpressCabinets.com should be your first step. That's Express with an X. Who are some of the heroes in your life? For me, it is those people who give of themselves without any thought about what they get in return. Hello, I'm Alan Treba, owner of American Family Funerals and Cremations and a servant. We want to thank our military veterans for their service and commitment in defending our freedoms and our way of life. We offer special packages and guidance to our military veterans and their families during times of loss. It is the least we can do for someone who has done so much for us. You know us. We are family. AmericanFamilyFunerals.com You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. The name of the book is Love, Let Go. Uh, The author, the co-author, is with us, Laura Sumner Truax, senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago. Uh, Laura, I understand we are hardwired to retain stories, not PowerPoints. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Amen. (laughs) So, uh, with that in mind, uh, how about some more stories? Yeah. You know, first, you know, the stories really reflect the variety of people in our church. Um, Some people gave to causes that were so immediate and close to home, um, because that's where they lived. You know, it was um, Rosemary B., a woman in our church who had a neighbor who lost her son to street violence in Chicago. And it happened weeks after she had gotten her $500 check, and she was praying about what to do with it. And uh, it was very clear to her she could pay for the funeral of this young man, the 17-year-old. Um, so very immediate, you know, like stories in your neighborhood. Um, another story that I love, uh, a guy by the name of Steve Martin, who uh, was one of our homeless uh, folks who um, worshipped at LaSalle for a number of years, and um, he had recently gotten into a stable housing at the YMCA here, and uh, what he wanted to do was to go back to the viaduct where he had lived mm. under this overpass, you know, for a number of years, and he took, he rounded up all of his friends, and he took them, as he said, quote, to a real nice restaurant meal. And then they all went to the movies together. And I have him, I just taped him on my phone uh, talking about this. He said, you know, for that whole day, me and my friends just felt like regular guys. And, uh, again, very immediate, very like, let me bless those people who are right around me. Um, other people were fairly sophisticated with the money. Um, there was an engineer who's also a patent attorney in our church, and so he and his wife pooled their money together, so they had a 1000 He reached out to his family, and, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 people matched his 1000 Then he went uh, to a couple of offices, other uh, uh, law offices. They matched that gift, and he ended up with enough 
money to have a little scholarship program, and he gives a thousand dollars now to a Chicago public school senior who is graduating, who's going to college to pursue engineering. So, you know, a very sophisticated kind of match, right? Um, There was another guy who works for Hyatt Hotels, and he did something also very savvy, got uh, Hyatt to um, pool a lot of money to his money, and they opened a little um, uh, fresh food market on the west side of town in one of the food deserts. And um, it's a really clever ways, right? Um, some people uh, just did good things. I mean, they contributed to uh, nonprofits where they knew something about. A woman gave to Ebola research. It's, we got to remember, in 2014, Ebola was on the world stage. Um, some people gave to homeless youth shelters. Um, just, just every way that you can imagine that people wanted to bless the people around them, both their city and their world, they did. And it was pretty awesome to have a front row seat at it. Uh, I, I I feel led to ask you about this, Laura. Every time we pick up the paper down here, there's another shooting or another murder, seemingly in the south or west part of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, what goes through your heart or your mind uh, with that? And and where do the churches fit in? The churches yeah. of Chicago. What What are your yeah. thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think the churches have a critical role to play in the ills of urban society. Um, we are to be the salt and light. And uh, and sometimes that means uh, shedding light on the violence and some of the causes that lead to that violence. Um, but a lot of times it's just by traveling alongside. So uh, we've done a couple of our big money. You know, we, we gave away the 160000 but then we had some big money. Uh, that was the $1.4 million that we still had yet to give. Uh, so we've done uh, a number of different um, programs. It, really, we partnered with other pre-existing programs to try to put a dent in some of that violence. Uh, one of the things that we're doing immediately right now is uh, money that we put in toward uh, incarcerated women uh, so that they can, many of the women in uh, jail right now are there for misdemeanor crimes that they simply can't post very modest bail. And when a woman leaves her home uh, and her children are really scattered among relatives, that creates a particular kind of instability that uh, does lead to more violent um, situations down the road. So in that scene, we're, uh, we put 50000 into a, a fund to help incarcerated women get out, post bail for them. Uh, they then uh, move into a Cabrini-Green Legal Aid Clinic, which uh, supports them by offering them free representation and allows those families to stay together. So that's one immediate thing that our church is doing. But churches are doing a host of other things. Uh, they're after-school programs. We tutor in two local schools right next to us here, uh, schools that are boasting uh, upticks in violence. We are part of an a art program that connects uh, private schools with uh, struggling public schools here uh, to try to engage uh, both parents and children of different economic means to get involved in our local schools. Um, that We're seeing some success there. But it's it's a lot, right? It's it's like uh, moving that stone up the hill. It takes a lot of prayer, but it takes an all hands on deck kind of engagement. Uh, Laura, as Christians, uh, how can all of us know what generous acts God might be calling us to? Yeah, you know, I'd say the first thing, Pat, as Christians, is just look at where you're at right now. 
Uh, a lot of our things uh, took on a very urban complexion because that's who we are. We're on the near north side of Chicago. Uh, but generosity does not necessarily mean uh, going halfway across the world to be generous. Uh, Jesus really said, look at the neighbors next door. I mean, it was the Samaritans that he called people to. It was uh, those who lived in the neighboring towns, those who were right there. And I feel like that's where it starts for us, Uh, for your listeners. It starts with those people who they're living with. Start being generous to those people. Start being generous to your neighbors, the stressed mother across the street, you know, the mom in your kid's classroom that you know is a single mom and, and pulling down a job and moonlighting on the side. And, you know, it, it really begins, I think, person to person. Uh, that's, that's where we start. I, I am curious about world vision, Laura, which I know is a part of your life and career. Uh, uh, Tell us about World Vision and and the work they do. Yeah, you know, World Vision is one of those agencies, one of those non-governmental humanitarian agencies that is changing the conversation on uh, poverty around the world. Uh, I got involved with them in the mid-2000s at the height of the AIDS crisis. They were one of the few uh, Christian organizations that were addressing that problem head-on and going into, uh, especially coming alongside vulnerable children whose parents had been lost to AIDS. Um, so that was my initial introduction to them. They, um, they are a game changer. Uh, their work among uh, villages in, uh, that don't even have clean water, that have lack of access to even rudimentary um, uh, schools and rudin, uh, just basic school supplies, I think is outstanding. Uh, and so, yeah, our, our church made a commitment to World Vision 12 years ago, and we've done everything from building school classrooms to uh, we've had something like 50 people run the Chicago Marathon over the last three years. We've got another group of 12 running it this year. We've run for clean water. We've supported children. And I feel like that's almost a no-brainer, really. Um, and if you want to have a feeling that you're connected to what God's doing globally around the world, that's it. they make it about as easy as possible, worldvision.org. Wonderful. Laura, what do you think is the difference between radical acts of kindness and radical generosity? Yeah, well, you know, so I think maybe it was random acts Ra- yeah, of kindness. Yeah, excuse me, random acts yeah. of kindness, yeah. Yeah, and you know, random acts of kindness are good, no question, uh, that they, they're, they're helpful to have in the world. But I, the, the, the dial has changed when you have the lens of generosity, which is more than just random acts. It's a way of getting up every morning and asking of the Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I be blessed to be a blessing? That's the thing that God asked of Abraham back in, you know, Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, I'm blessing you to be a blessing. And frankly, that's, I think, is what moves it into being radical. It's that you wake up every morning with that being on your lips and that being the kind of lens that you're going to see your day in your world with. And that, that makes it a regular, determined kind of uh, uh, way that you're going through life in the world, you know. I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing, so bring it, bring it life today because I, I'm ready for you. <laughs> Laura, uh, here's an interesting uh, discussion point, because in your book, uh, there's mention that there are points in our lives where we need to be generous to ourselves. 
Yeah. Uh, how, how do we uh, do that, uh, and how do you uh, justify it opposed to self to being selfish? Uh, fill us in on that topic. Yeah, you know, and we had several people who um, who really the five hundred dollars needed to go to something that was actually in their lives. I encourage people to uh, to to do that uh, after you know uh, talking with them and kind of praying with them and hearing the situation. I think when the Lord says, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of us have been destroyed over the years by these messages that that we are no more than to just uh, to give to others, and I, the Lord doesn't operate like that. Um, I mean, what you see through the scriptures is a is a value that Jesus places on every individual, and that's got to start with ourselves. We have to know how valuable and precious we are to the Lord. And um, and so I, I think, you know, it's hard to just create a rule. It's one of those things you can't just make a rule for because it's highly individual. But I think when a person uh, when a person inquires of the Lord and what they hear back is, you need to take care of yourself, you need to stop, you need to have a Sabbath day of rest, you need to just feel my pleasure upon you, you need to be reminded that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, sometimes I, I think the, the message will come loud and clear, and you need to take the, these monies, this windfall from your own, uh, you know, bonus this year, or the extra money you received from, you know, your Aunt Mary, uh, and you need to go out to dinner with your husband and just, uh, and just remember that I'm a good God and you serve a good God. Um, so there's not a rule for that. I think that's, uh, that's part of that wisdom piece. That's part of just, like, listening close to your life and close to the Lord. Laura Sumner Truax is the senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago, author of Love, Let Go. Uh, Laura, what lies ahead for you and uh, LaSalle Street Church? What do you see over the next five years? Well, I'll tell you, we've, uh, we've still got some money that we're giving out, uh, so we look forward to that. We um, have gotten involved some of the things that we've given to in a big way. Uh, we gave to a big water pan project in uh, in West Africa, and so a team of us are going over to see that and to look at that more closely. So, you know, my prayer is that uh, we'll just be more deeply involved in whatever the Lord has for us. And that's not really a trite religious uh, thing to say. It's it's a way of being. Um, I think we're going to be drawn closer to uh, to the suffering of the world because that's where Jesus was drawn. Uh, and your question back on how can churches engage more deeply in uh, the suffering of violence in our city, I anticipate that uh, the Lord's going to have some more stuff us to do in that vein. So I look forward to it. The South Street Church has always had a reputation of being very hands-on, very active in the world. Uh, is that a correct statement? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it seems part of the DNA here. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that comes from, uh, you know, that comes from learned behavior. It, it, it also goes back to that posture of radical generosity. I think that uh, that was the posture of the earliest people in the, you know, in the 60s here, where they, they kind of had a vision for what ministry was going to look like. And the good thing is that we can, we can start that DNA at any moment. Like parents modeling that for their children, that's a game changer in a family. 
For, for a child to see their parent lean in to the needs of the world around them and to see them giving of their time, their resources, their energies, uh, that's something that you set in motion, right? And, and you're affecting not just, you know, the life that you're giving to in that moment. You're rippling down through the ages. That's the echo of generosity that we've seen. Well, it's wonderful to talk to you again, Laura. Oh, thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. What a pleasure to be with you. Laura Sumner Truax, author of Love Let Go, senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago. Uh, We've got more right after this. Just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And every weekend like this, we gather, and we're always glad when you're with us, uh, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, Back after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. I'm Dan Webster. And I'm Trina Webster, founders of Z-Quiet. Our story probably sounds familiar. I was desperate to find a solution to my snoring problem, and I tried everything. Pillows, chin straps, even surgery, but I kept snoring. Dan wasn't the only one desperate for a good night's sleep. Our whole family was tired, cranky, and sleep-deprived. So we turned to experts and created a solution that's a total game-changer called Z-Quiet. Z-Quiet uses the same technology as professional treatments costing thousands of dollars. But you can find our affordable solution at GetZQuiet.com. We know that snoring is a problem for so many families, and we wanted everyone to benefit from our easy solution. So don't let snoring be a problem. Go to GetZQuiet.com and sleep quiet with ZQuiet. ZQuiet fits both men and women. Try it risk-free for 30 days for just $9.95. Go to GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. Go to GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. Hey, Dave, why in such a hurry? I've got so much to do, Phil. Our company's having an important show this month, and you know what they say about first impressions. We need a display booth, retractable banners, table throws, and banners, and I don't even know where to start. Three words, Dave. True Blue Designs. Who? Yeah, True Blue Designs. I had the same situation not too long ago. It took care of my banners, my table toppers, my signage. We looked great. True Blue Designs has over 50 years of combined experience in the signs and graphics business. They will consult, design, and produce your displays show banners, and accessories, and they will deliver. Great website, too. Go online to tbdsigns.com. I need presentation folders, brochures, flyers, business cards, and promotional items. Can they handle that? Yeah, Dave, they sure can. But don't forget the name, True Blue Designs. Make a lasting impact at your next business meeting, convention, or special event. True Blue Designs. Don't ignore your image. Embrace it with True Blue Designs. Take a tour at tbdsigns.com or call 407-326-6800. True Blue Designs. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Laura Sumner Truax, our guest in that first half hour, a senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago, talking about her book, Love Let Go. Uh, John Thornton is with us. He is the chair, the chair of of accounting ethics at Azusa Pacific University in California. Uh, We're going to talk about his book, Jesus' Terrible Financial Advice, uh, Flipping the Tables on Peace, Prosperity, and the Pursuit of Happiness. John, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me. John? Yes. 
Uh, nice to chat with you. Thanks for joining me. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Uh, tell me about that title, John. It's a little different. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Yeah, so uh, years ago, uh, I sat down to write a book about God's perspective on money, and I knew exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't say it. Uh, and uh, so I kind of joked that, uh, that his terrible financial advice ruined my book. Uh, things like, uh, give to everybody who asks you. I'm thinking, really? I mean, I'd be broken a day. Or uh, if somebody sues you uh, for your coat, let them have your, uh, uh, or, or your cloak, let them have your tunic as well. And I'm thinking, hmm, boy, Jesus, it doesn't seem like you grew up in America. Or, or maybe even, wow, what, what's going on there? It's our national pastime to sue people around here. Could you have possibly meant us with this kind of stuff? And uh, it wasn't really until I understood his perspective um, uh, that he actually wants to, everything he does is to glorify his father. Once we understand that perspective, all of a sudden the advice that seems terrible, like in this sense of exceedingly bad, uh, turns out to be uh, terrible in a different kind of meeting, like uh, awesome, like the terrible day of the Lord, that kind of terrible. Um, and it goes just from, uh, from what, what terrifies us to just amazing advice. Chapter one of your book is called The Book I Couldn't Write. Uh, I know you've touched on that. Uh, what else can you tell us about that first, that opening chapter? Yeah, so we really, my wife and I had amazing, an amazing story. Uh, we had um, left uh, professional financial careers. Uh, I was a CPA. Um, uh, my wife was an actuary, which uh, um, uh, they do uh, work for companies, consulting like insurance companies on setting rates. Uh, anyway, um, Wall Street Journal, by the way, says that accountants invented actuaries so there'd be somebody more boring than themselves. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, we were the original fun couple, uh, but we had professional careers uh, in, the, in the money area. And, uh, but we were also doing youth work, and we really wanted to do some more meaningful work and felt like our lives were so busy we couldn't even carve out any time. And so we went back to graduate school. Uh, that's where I earned my Ph.D. in accounting. Uh, but in that process, we had to give up about 80% of our income for six years. Mm. And uh, doing that, we were living off about half of poverty income, and like a good accountant, I'd put together a budget to see if we could make it or not. And we were just amazed when we came out the other end. Um, we hadn't just survived, we'd thrived. And so that's the book we wanted to write. I think it's probably much more of a, you know, be responsible, get out of debt kind of a book, uh, which God does say those things. I don't want to downplay, you know, the Christian financial counselors who, who say that, but he just says so much more. I want you to move to the next topic with me, simply called e Tiffany, uh, what are you writing here? Yeah, that, uh, you know, um, when I first started uh, looking at um, Jesus' life, and I've been, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, but this is back in my graduate school days, and uh, Jesus gives some really hard teachings, right, like uh, turn the other cheek. Uh, and you think, well, hey, be the bigger man. You know, uh, you know, somebody slaps you, you know, turn the other cheek. But, uh, and, he, and again, some of these other teachings, like give to everyone who asks you. And, um at the time, I, I don't think I really uh, understood, did Jesus really mean that to the fullest? Until one day, I'd been asked to speak uh, at a Good Friday service, and I saw that in the order that Jesus preached it back in his famous sermons, like uh, the Sermon on the Mount and so forth, in the order he preached it, he lived to the fullest, uh, so that he didn't just turn the cheek, his other cheek one time, he turned it, you know, three major ruling bodies. He didn't just, um, you know, how far could you take his teaching on if somebody takes your shirt, give him your coat as well? Well, they're, they're casting dice for his last seamless garment at the foot of the cross. 
And, it, and I had this like aha moment that like, wow, Jesus meant this teaching as far as you could possibly take it. So that in a worst case scenario, what would it look like if we followed his financial advice or other advice? Uh, in a worst case scenario, we might actually end up looking like him. So we've covered uh, the first two topics here. Uh, now, John, I want you to tell us about a tale of two masters. Yeah. Yeah, so um, really I think this sums up so much of what Jesus uh, says about wealth. And it's actually the, the verse that, that ended my book uh, 17 years ago. And I thought, I, and until I have a, an answer to this question where I wouldn't be hypocritical, I really can't write this book. And, and the question that I had, um, Jesus says you can't serve uh, two masters. You can love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to the one or despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And I thought, well, you know, I tell people my life is about two things, loving God and loving people. And yet uh, I sure would like a raise. <laughs> so, so where was Jesus going with that teaching? And it wasn't until reading back in the, in the book of Jeremiah and uh, Jeremiah um, telling God's chosen people that God was going to give them a double measure of his wrath because of their detestable idols that I had like this, um, again, kind of aha moment that, oh, I get it. Money as a master, as an idol, is a very poor choice. And money will master you one of two ways. You'll either love it, and we think about greedy people sometimes, and, and you think of all the things that I could do if I had enough money. And they could be even good things, but, but it will get its hooks into you that way. Or we'll fear it. So that money, if, you, if you're not a greedy person, it still can come in the back door and say, you could not make it home without me. You couldn't fill up the gas tank. You couldn't buy a cup of coffee. And so when that happens, either way, money will master you. And, and God says, look, our love, our fear are reserved for him alone. You uh, write in Chapter 4 for richer or poorer with a question mark. Uh, why the question mark? Yeah, you know, so if you take a broad swath of, of Christian viewpoints about, you know, does, does Jesus want you rich or poor, uh, you can get all the way out in one end of what we um, sometimes call prosperity the- theology, which would say, hey, look, if you're not wealthy, you know, um, God's not blessing you. You, know, you must not be obeying God. All the way out to the other end of, of, of a group of folks I'd call the poverty is piety people, where, look, if you have anything left, you obviously haven't obeyed God because you haven't given it all away. And so Christians, I think, are really torn up on this one. Like, which one is it? Does Jesus want me rich or poor? Uh, and, uh, you know, to, to cut to the chase, the answer is yes. <laughs> he wants us rich or poor. And, you know, our financial position has nothing to do with our spirituality. Uh, and, um, and we can find just so many examples of both groups, all the way out from, um, of course, you know, Peter and John, when they're asked by the beggar, um, you know, for some money. Uh, and they say, you know, silver and gold, we don't have but what well, you can give you, you know, rise up and walk. Uh, and then to the opposite end, way back in, in early stories of uh, in earliest time periods of Job, and, you know, Satan's looking around for somebody, you know, and he's telling God, nobody's out there following him, and, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And um, it really has much more to do with what you do with what God's given you than um, your financial position. My guest is John Thornton. <clears throat> he's in Azusa, California a suburb of uh, Los Angeles. Uh, His book is called Jesus, Terrible Financial Advice. Uh, Next topic, John, the great deception, you call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
so here's the deal with money. Um, it's, it's a funny thing, wealth in general. Uh, it actually is a blessing. I looked at 1,300 passages in wealth in the Bible. I found those by just reading the entire Bible, highlighting every passage in wealth, put it into a Word document, then in a spreadsheet, and try to categorize these, these things, and kind of like, God, what are your different things that you say about it? And I'll tell you that every single place that I saw wealth, um, I never, well, let me put it this way, I never saw one place where God said he would curse somebody by making them wealthy. Um, and yet, oftentimes, our wealth becomes a curse for us. And it does that um, when we set our hearts on it instead of on him. And so what I call the great deception, God takes any of the good things he gives us. If we do not humbly submit those to his lordship, we get deceived by them. What I call the great deception is this. Whenever we believe we have a better plan for our lives than God does. And that's how, again, how, how money gets us is maybe God isn't giving us that thing that we think we need. But we think, well, money would do that. And so money deceives us. It sneaks in the back door, and we set our hearts on it instead of on him. Let's move to the next topic. Just money, it's called. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounds like an interesting chapter. (laughs) It is, and and you can tell I like a few play on words, but I'm really looking at justice related to wealth. And is there, because a lot of times, I mean, this is how, in, in fact, in most societies, we mete out justice a lot of times with wealth. We have monetary penalties, um, you know, and in the Old Testament, you see certain crimes are, are covered with, with money and so forth um, to, to pay that back. But, um, and, and so people get, get upset a lot of times and say, well, where's the justice in that? And, and the truth is, um, God is tremendously just uh, with wealth, and he tells us there's a wisdom-wealth connection. And it's very simple. Um, if you take all the wisdom literature that we call it, the Proverbs and so forth, and you just look at frequency of verses, the most common thing God says connecting the wisdom to wealth is that if you do something, you'll have something. If you don't, you won't. Just diligence versus sloth. The second thing is righteousness versus wickedness. Do it right, and wealth earned that way is much more likely to persist than wealth by cheating and through other types of wickedness. And the third thing is generosity versus stinginess. The problem says one person gives generously, has even more. The stingy person withholds unduly and comes to poverty. And so that is this big wisdom-wealth connection. Do something, do it right, and be generous. But at the end of the day, it's just money. And God tells us that wisdom is worth every penny. So uh, he says, though it costs all you have, get wisdom. So, um, so there is this connection, but it doesn't last. You won't take it with you, uh, but you can send it on ahead. Uh, John, where does this topic fit? Uh, a proper fool. Yeah, this is where Jesus ruined my retirement. <laughs> I'll just tell you, there's a guy who, uh, who looks just like the American dream, I think. It's a, a fellow that Jesus gives as an example. He says there's a certain rich man uh, that had a big crop. He said, what do I do? Okay, I'll tear down my burn, barns, build bigger ones. I've got plenty saved up for the rest of my life, eat, drink, and be merry. And mm-hmm. Jesus says to him, you fool. I'm thinking, how is that like the fool in Proverbs who isn't diligent, he's slothful. Well, this guy worked. He's a farmer, right? Farmers work. Uh, righteousness versus wickedness. This guy didn't cheat anybody. You know, at least Jesus doesn't say he did. And I'm looking at this guy and thinking, wow, how is he a fool? But Jesus calls him out for that. And I realized, I think what Jesus is saying is, here's a guy who, unlike, say, the prodigal son or the typical fool who wastes the front half of his life, he's been dreaming about the day he can waste the last half of his life. And Jesus says, either person's a fool. He gave us, gave us life to live it, he wants us to live it to the full, and he didn't give us wealth just for ourselves alone. It's for us to be generous and to bring glory to his name through it. 
What do you write about in the profit principle chapter? Yeah, the biggest blunder in all of business, uh, and we see it in so many major uh, meltdowns in the world, is when we separate the revenue from the cost. And uh, any, you know, just fundamental economics professor, accounting professor, whatever, will, will tell you revenue minus cost equals profit. And Jesus tells us this thing that terrifies us, I think, as Christians. Uh, you know, we're so thankful that, that uh, he died for us, that uh, through grace we have eternal life with him. And yet he tells us, hey, if you want to follow me, uh, pick up your cross and, and get in line. You know, and, and consider the cost when you do that. And we look at that cost and we say, Jesus, you're asking too much. And that's this huge blunder because you can never separate the revenue from the cost, because revenue minus cost equals profit. So if you follow that through, if we look at Jesus, he didn't go to the cross to prove he was the bigger man. It says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame so that he could be seated at the right hand of the Father. And so if we understand what Jesus is really saying, he says, yes, it's going to cost you everything, but I'm worth it. The revenue is more than the cost. You can only truly profit if you consider both halves of that thing what Jesus tells us, we've got an eternity with him. My guest is uh, John Thornton. Uh, He is at Azusa Pacific University, and we're glad that he's joined us, John. Dr. John uh, Thornton is a CPA with a Ph.D. in accounting from Washington State University. Uh, He has served as chair of the American Accounting Association's Public Interest Section, And uh, we've got another segment with Dr. John uh, Thornton, so stay with us. We're talking about his book, Jesus' Terrible Financial Advice. Uh, Just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And every weekend at this time, we gather here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. And we're always very, very pleased when you join us. More with John Thornton right after these messages. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. I'm Robin Truszynski from the Original Mattress Factory. If you're considering paying retail price for a new mattress, this is your wake-up call. Why is there suddenly a mattress store on every corner? Well, just Google mattress markups. Original Mattress is a private label mattress brand sold directly to the public. We own the factory and the store. Why? Ethics. Let's just say excessive markups don't fit our values. Just say no to the middleman. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com. He encouraged you. She supported you. They lifted your spirits and believed in your dreams. They are your original inspiration. Here at the Original Mattress Factory, we're all about dreams and the people who inspire yours. Visit our Facebook page, follow us, and share your story to enter the My Original Inspiration Contest. We'll honor your hero and reward just one with a $1,000 gift certificate to the Original Mattress Factory. OriginalMattress.com 
awesome. That could be you when your family wins VIP tickets to see Focus on the Family's Adventures in Odyssey Get in the Show finale event this summer in Colorado Springs with front row seats, backstage passes, airfare, hotel, and transportation. And just for entering, you'll receive free 30-day access to the Adventures in Odyssey Club with unlimited episode streaming and more. To register for this event, go to thewordorlando.com. Use the keyword adventure. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. We're talking with Dr. John Thornton from Azusa Pacific University uh, about his new book, Jesus' Terrible Financial Advice. Uh, John, the next topic uh, I want you to get into for us is called The Giving Paradox. Uh, What's that about? So, uh, here's the deal. It is impossible to love without giving. Uh, God says, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave the one thing he couldn't make more of. He gave his son, that thing most important to him, to to bring us to himself. And Jesus says the same thing, that uh, he gives the greatest gift earthly possible. You know, uh, greater love has no one than this, and they give up their life uh, for their friends. And so we see this incredible giving um, is this great sign of, of the love that we have. But the flip side is, um, just because um, loving takes great giving, great giving isn't necessarily great loving. Uh, and let me explain that. Uh, Apostle Paul, in, in the love chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, he says um, that you can give everything you've got, surrender your body to the flames. If you don't have love, you're nothing. And so here's, here's the danger with giving. Um, when we give, um, uh, we can do it for our own glory instead of for God's, and we get the credit instead of him. And, and Jesus warns us about that. He warns us about the hypocrisy. We're trying to draw attention to ourselves. And he says, hey, if you give, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Uh, and then you'll receive a reward from your Father who sees what's done in secret. And so that's kind of what's behind the, the title of that chapter. But um, let me encourage people to understand this when it comes to giving. Um, we give for three reasons, uh, I think, uh, three big reasons. And the, and the most important one is it's just reflect God's character. God is the ultimate giver. And so when we give in ways that reflect his character, whether it's his kindness, his justice, or his righteousness, when we give in one of those three ways, um, you know, that just brings glory to God, and I, I think God just rejoices, and, and we, get, we get our Father's heart. Um, a couple other quick reasons why, um, why we give that I think matter so much. Jesus doesn't tell us to give to impoverish us. He, t- he does that to enrich us. He says um, it's more blessed to give than receive. Um, if we really believed that, we'd be trying as hard to give as we are to get. Um, and just I can tell you in my own life, uh, that's a challenge, uh, but we've got to take that in faith. And the final thing is when we give, it, it, release, it, it releases money's hooks that it have, has in us and kind of sets us free from that bad master. Now talk to us about the great exchange. Yes, we can't take it with, it, with us, but we can send it on ahead. As a good uh, old professor of mine, Randy Alcorn, uh, once wrote in The mm. Treasure Principle, which I highly encourage people to read that book if they get the chance. Uh, but, uh, you know, the great exchange uh, is... Uh, Jesus tells us, look, if you're trustworthy a little bit, you'll be trustworthy with much. If you're deceitful with a little bit, you'll be deceitful with much. If you can't even handle worldly wealth, who's going to give you true treasures? So in other words, you know, get out there and do something so you've got something to share. But the final thing is, 
um, if you um, if you can't even handle uh, somebody else's money, who's going to give you money for your own to manage? And um, I think Jesus is telling us how to go from a little to much. But again, um, we were able to exchange the things that we can't keep for the things we can, eternal treasures. And uh, that's what it's really about. Um, you know, our life will end here. Everybody knows that. And everybody knows you can't take it with you. But somehow Jesus says, uh, yeah, yeah, you can. It'll be there for you. you know, so use what God's given us here. And again, let, me, let me put it this way. If you want to be truly rich, it's got to get beyond yourself and beyond this world. How about turning terrible to terrific? What does that mean? Yeah. So, um, again, at, at the end of the day, um, Jesus' financial advice that, from a worldly perspective, seems like just, oh, wow, that, that's bad. I'll be broke. God, what will happen to me? And then we get terrified to actually do what he calls us to do sometimes, and we get frozen in fear. Maybe, you know, uh, I know I was hit with this when, when I first thought, well, if, if, uh, you know, well, God, if you did ask me to give away too much, well, then, you know, who's going to pay my bills and so forth? And, and all of a sudden you, you face this fear. Uh, but that last uh, definition of uh, terrible is terrific, like the awesome day of the Lord. And when we really get Jesus' purpose, which is to glorify his Father with everything here, um, and he redirects us to him, when we, when we have that purpose, all of a sudden this advice just becomes amazing. You think, wow, I can really live a life of purpose that really matters for eternity. Uh, talk to us about these different truths. Uh, I am interested in uh, purpose, truth number one. Uh, what does that mean to you, John, purpose? Yeah, so again, uh, you know, every I run into, you know, and I, I spend a lot of time with college students, and I love, I love this current generation. I know every generation, you know, youth <laughs> gets beat up quite a bit and kind of deserves it because they're young. <laughs> you know, they do a lot of foolish things. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing I'm excited about in, in today's uh, kids, and that is that, uh, you know, they're really excited about, uh, about finding purpose in life. And I think something that maybe my generation uh, kind of blew past a little bit as we're trying to be responsible and so forth and, and get on with uh, things, but um, and now my friends who are in that you know near retirement age and so forth, uh, you know, they're kind of coming back around to that and say, "What happened to my life?" and and did what I did what I did with my life? Did it matter? <laughs> and uh, you know, it really gets down to purpose matters, but our purpose has got to be grounded in glorifying our Father, because that's that's what's eternal. We can have eternal treasures with him. With the, and I think those are, are God and money. Uh, not money, sorry, God and people. Those two things that last in this life, that's what's going to be there when we get there eternally. And so um, Jesus, every question that somebody comes to him with, he might solve that problem for them, but he always kind of like grabs their face between his hands, if you will, metaphorically, and, and redirects us and says, have you seen my father? That's what you really need. And when we get Jesus' purpose right, his financial advice is just tremendous. John, I think you've got a whole other book here, uh, <laughs> Ten Truths That Turn Terrible to Terrific. Uh, that, 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 that would be a great title just there for a book. <laughs> what do you think? And then these ten principles or truths. Well, you know, I hope there's another book running around there somewhere because somebody's asked me to write him a second one. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I think the title of that next one's going to be called Getting Rich Right. Uh, and that's just looking at God's righteousness and also understanding what it truly means to be rich. 
And again, it's beyond ourselves and beyond this world. But uh, I am excited about talking to people. You know, I really want to encourage Christians to think about the second half of the Great Commission. And that is, you know, let's go out and do the things that God has commanded us to do. Let's go live lives that are righteous, that, that reflect His character, His rightness. And when people see that, I think we're just drawn to God because they, we say, wow, you know, God's ways work, and they do. Tell me more about the students you see every day at Azusa Pacific University. Yeah, you know, we have a broad swath of Christians, and you don't have to be a Christian to come. One of the reasons I enjoy teaching here um, is that I have a chance to encourage the kids to actually know who, who God is. But, you know, our, our motto here is, is God first. And so I love that, uh, that opportunity to talk to them. And, you know, um, uh, right now we're about two generations into what, what I'd call, or not what I'd call, what philosophers and people call the postmodern era. And what the postmodern era is, it kind of says there's no, nothing right, there's nothing true. You've got your thing, it's good for you, uh, and I've got my thing, it's good for me, so let's just kind of agree to disagree. And that's just not true, it's not right. And the students, unfortunately, uh, in a way, have grown up in that, and people you know, have, have said, hey, you know, just, kind of, uh, just kind of say, it's all good, yeah, okay, it's good for you. And, and it's simply not. And we are losing, I'm, I'm afraid, uh, this important characteristic of God. You know, he says uh, in Jeremiah, um, don't brag about these other things, you know, your, your wealth, your wisdom, your strength, but if you want to boast, boast that you know me, that I'm the Lord who delights in kindness, justice and righteousness and our current generation righteousness has been thrown out and these kids get excited when they find out wow there is a better way to live you know there there's there is a rightness and the thing i encourage the people in that 50 plus category or maybe even 30s to 50s when you're raising your kids is keep pointing out that god is righteous as well as being you know full of grace mercy love and these other characters but he's his ways work And that, I think, is what's going to draw the next generation to him. John Thornton has been our guest, Chair of Accounting Ethics at Azusa Pacific University. We've been talking about his book, Jesus' Terrible Financial Advice. Uh, We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, Laura Sumner Truax was with us, senior pastor of LaSalle Street Church in Chicago, talking about her new book, Love Let Go. And then John Thornton plugged in with us from Azusa, California, uh, talking about Jesus' terrible financial advice. Please check out my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat, 
And my most recent book is out. It is called The Success Intersection, where your greatest talent intersects with your strongest passion. Well, that's your sweet spot in life, and that's where you want to stay. That's where you want to work. That's where you want to make your living, right there in that sweet spot. The book's in bookstores now. It's uh, up on Amazon as well. We're back next week for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.